What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Stay at Home Podcast. It should maybe be called the In the Home Pod. Nah, that doesn't work. What did you call the last one? Me? Yeah. It's Chillin' at Home. Yeah, Chillin' at Not Home. Not with Jerome. Welcome, everybody, to the Chillin' at Home Without Jerome Podcast. Podcast. Well, we just did a... F- yeah. We just All right, well, we just, had, we just had one of potentially three amazing guests coming on the podcast. And... I think the the main takeaway from interviewing Peter Labardius, color voice of the Flames, is a he loves sports way more than I do, and he's a way better human being. Than B both, both of us. He is a way like not even a way better human being. He's a decent human being. Like I can't even imagine being that nice and that good of a person. No, like it's not even possible. I don't. Care. Yeah, I don't think it's in our DNA. Yeah, no, it isn't. <laughs> Like, if I tried to be that nice... If I tried to be that nice, it would not work. If I tried to be that great of a nice guy... Yeah. Like, I'd probably go crazy. Me too. Like, he's so nice. Anyway, so Peter Labardius, um, I'm sure you all know who he is. If you want a little background on him... Was he from Saskatchewan? He's from Saskatchewan, yeah. He's born in Saskatchewan. He called... um, a lot of Memorial Cup games, a lot of junior games, WHL, CHL, all that Olympics. stuff. Olympics. He was at the Olympics. The Canadian Olympics. Um, and then he was hired as the Canadian Flames, team. the voice of the Flames on TV in 2008. He did that for three years and then did some various stuff. And then 2014, which kind of bums me out. I was going to ask him about Peter Marr, but I didn't get the chance. And then he was hired in 2014, I believe, as the color voice of the Flames on the radio. So, yeah. So, current, ra- current color radio guy former play-by-play tv guy um and it, the firing did come up yeah you brought it up you well it just it just kind of came up well it's an interesting perspective and i thought his like the, go, speaking to the fact that he's like an incredibly nice good person like he was just like for me if i had a job that was probably my dream job and it ended the way that it did for him even though he's bounced back which like i i would never be able to do i would be so mad and so like <laughs> Full of revenge yeah. and stuff. Like he, he just picked himself up and was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go get this job now." It was. It's pretty cool to hear. And I thought it was a good like cautionary tale too. It's like I think everybody has this in their in their brain, like the idea of being the broadcaster, or whatever this, whatever that, being on TV covering sports is like some glamorous dream job. It's like it's a fickle business. Yeah. Anyways, and based on what we could find online. Even Peter himself, this was an interview done years ago, said he had no clue why he was fired. Maybe he knows now because it's been a while since that article was put out. Well, if you're kind of a nerd like me, like I've always kind of had a weird thing like where I like color. Like you've always, you, you, you guys always hear me complaining about like Pierre McGuire and stuff, yep. like different color guys. He was always one of the really good ones. I remember. He, Peter. I yeah. Yeah. He took over from Roger Millions in I think 2008. Yeah. And he was always great. And I remember they replaced him with Rob Kerr or something. And I was like, that was dumb. Like, he was, I thought he was great. Some of the online guessing at it was that he was a little too enthusiastic <laughs> and some fans didn't like that. But that's what I always loved about him. No, I always loved that too. I was just watching highlights, which I talked to Peter about, where he's calling some comeback game in like 2009. And it's so exciting. It's incredible. He's good. He's so good. He's good. So I I was really I was really stoked when he eventually when uh, the Flames needed a new color guy that he was the guy who they hired because yeah he's he's a good he's a good guy he's a great broadcaster and he's like literally I, like I said there's like nobody more passionate about sports I've ever come across in sports broadcasting yeah he's a sports fanatic like I brought up I literally referenced this in the podcast I brought up some random game from like 2009 and he knew exactly what I was talking about. Oh yeah, he remembered who scored. And yeah, it was crazy. And if you're if you're listening and you're wondering later when he when he references a team in purple that's always devastated him, it's the Minnesota Vikings. He's a big Vikings fan. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many much of our listeners listen to nine sixty. Probably a few of them. Yeah, but he's usually on Hockey Central at noon too. So, anyways, you're gonna you're gonna get the nice guy perspective. I mean, we were kind of laughing because. We were laughing because it's like it's he's like so complete, nice. It's, it's a complete the, opposite. It's like we rip into Jeff Ward and Brad Schilling. We don't even know them, but you know he speaks nothing but highly of those guys. Um, but anyway, it's interesting perspective. I thought it was a good interview. Really good, really good perspective. And he's just an all around great guy. Enjoy, enjoy.
All right, let's go, everybody. Welcome to the In the Dome podcast. This guy, we got a guest today, and this guy needs some kind of introduction. You know him as the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He's Peter Labardius. How's it going, sir? It's uh, going great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. You're doing all right. Thank you for joining us. This is really awesome. I mean, I've kind of been a, a bit of a fanboy of your career for the past 10 years, so this is pretty cool. Um, how, how's it going? Like, you're doing okay? You're doing well despite everything? Like, relatively okay? Yeah, everything uh, is going well. It's uh, in my unique situation where I spend the hockey season in Calgary and I spend the off-season primarily with uh, my wife and significant other Nancy and my stepdaughter. It's uh, It feels in some ways, guys, like the season just ended early and it's actually been very, very nice to spend some time with them in these uh, trying times and I guess I'm not unlike anybody else uh, these times really ask us to ask some important questions about what and who is most important so I was able to get back here about the middle of March and um, yes it's odd and strange and do I wish, wish I was getting ready for a playoff game and maybe Game one of the Battle of Alberta tonight, for, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, it, these times are what they are, and it's been pretty awesome to be back home for a while because it's something in my world I uh, I certainly don't take for granted. Yeah, for sure. And, okay, one quick question before we get into it on the Flames front. Okay, I'm freaked to play the Oilers in round one. I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. What, what's your take on a Battle of Alberta seven-game series? <laughs> Well, guys, I would probably fill up the whole podcast, and we can if you like. Um, I have absolutely, in so many different ways, thoroughly enjoyed what I call the Battle of Alberta truly truly being back. And and you guys, I don't know how old you are, but, uh, you know, we talk a lot and have about the Battle of Alberta each and every year. But, you know, the last three games, to me, took me back to... You know, when I wasn't in Calgary, I was watching from Saskatchewan at the time when the Battle of Alberta was at its peak in the 80s and early 90s and have seen this battle, to be honest, from both sides of the fence, including spending time broadcasting some Oilers games in the mid-2000, working in the late 90s in Edmonton. So, you know, I've I've seen a lot of them um, up close and personal from a lot of different angles, but... The Battle of Alberta, as we last saw it, its last few installments, it was legit, it was fun, and what I've said to a lot of other people in the uh, social media world that we live in, um, I was never worried about how much fun it would be on the ice. I'm a little uh, scared about people and what they might say and do to one another without the con- within the confines of the province when right. and if that series ever happens but yeah that's uh, true yeah that's kind of my feelings on it yeah well just starting this podcast this this uh year and getting on twitter uh and interacting with some of the oilers fans it's <laughs> it's pretty cutthroat so yeah. oh really i haven't noticed fellas <laughs> yeah everybody seems to play along on social media so nicely right <laughs> it's crazy no not really yeah um so do you think that this battle being reinstated, and to answer your question, I was born in 85. I think Mikey was born in 90. 90. In 90. So oh, for, oh boy, for you us, guys are, you guys are pops. Yeah. For us, this is like we, we haven't experienced the Battle of Alberta before. Mm. But um, do you think it was inevitable just because teams were now both in playoff contention? Or how much of this is really can we thank Matthew Kachuk for? Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Matthew certainly played a pretty significant role in it escalating to where it is uh but i also don't think that you can forget or downplay that you know these two teams have had a battle as far as geography but i've really felt in the modern day sports world that we live in generally nothing builds rivalry more than playoffs or games that emulate those types of situations and to be honest I don't find a lot of sports played the way they necessarily once were in terms of animosity and dislike and what I like to call true rivalry. Well, 
guess what? As even the general manager of the team pointed out to me one day after one of the games, um, these games became special because they seemed like unicorns. We're not used to seeing teams get after one another in the regular season in that way with that kind of passion. Now, you know, as someone who's been a broadcaster for a long time and been around this battle, well, for a lot of the times, whether I was in Edmonton or whether I've been in Calgary the last decade, frankly, for many years, I felt like those two teams' number one rival was Vancouver, yeah. not one another, depending on the scenario. But now what's different is, you know, both teams have had their troubles, especially the Oilers with their one playoff performance since 2006. But two teams being in a battle for something that truly matters is what also has played into it. And I'm sure you guys will remember, um, you know, outside of those three games in particular this year, I think, you know, another one that comes to mind was a game that was played last season on the 11th of November. Yeah. That the Flames ended up winning that game in Calgary 4-2. to two, And that was a night where maybe it wasn't quite to the level we saw the last three games, but it wasn't very far away. Yeah. The problem was, you know, in the next games following that, as you guys would know, they didn't measure up. They, they didn't have any real carryover. But yeah. when this thing really got going in meeting number two of this season, well, there was carryover. And it what it really felt like to me, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, the proximity in terms of not location, but how quickly the games were played within a span of time those three games they they came at us quick right so that really kind of made it feel very playoff like in its intensity with lots on the line because the teams have been so close all season in the standings yeah and that that's something that sounds like the the schedule makers were trying to to accomplish going into this season right well, I think it's it's what they always look for, um, you know, and yet we were kind of complaining to a certain extent that we had to wait all the way till yeah. December 27th this year for the first one. So That's we went true. from having none, you know, all of a sudden December 27th and then January 11th, I think, and then the two that followed right thereafter, including the first game coming out of the mandated CBA break. So, yeah, we went from none to four between December 27th and I think what was January the 29th. So they came quickly. Um, you know, and, and the schedule maker has a really, really tough job. I, I don't know what the right answer is. Probably for me, if I was in charge of it, especially when you've got something like what it turned into at least this year, now the next fascinating thing is, well, where will it go next when hockey comes back and it's played and who is it in front of and you know who knows maybe the first game that we all get to see again is those two teams in a playoff series of some form right and wouldn't that be something um but you know if i probably had it my way they'd meet once a month so they'd for sure play five times a year even though that isn't a guarantee because a lot of years they only play four times but I'd like to see it five times a year and and maybe once every month within reason because, you know, you play eight months of the year. But if you could have them, you know, once a month or as close to that, once every six weeks, just so you have something to, again, look forward to. But without the games played this year in such close you know, date by date, I'm not sure it would have built into what it built into. So yeah, that's true. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, even the, I mean, I think the first, first similar game we had this year was against Detroit where something, I forget who it was with, with Lindholm at the end of the game. Oh yeah. And then we're still waiting. Lindholm. We're still, oh no, I guess they did play in Detroit, right? But by the time they go yes. back to Detroit two, three months later, I mean, it's water on the bridge, but I think you got a good point there. And then following up, so like we don't want to get too bogged down in the in the stoppage and what's going to happen. But if you were to have it your way, how would you go about returning the season? Like, would it be playoffs first? Would you just cancel everything? Let's say it returns in August. Are you are we going right to playoffs if Peter Labardius is in charge? Um, 
you know, it's a great question, guys. And, you know, there have been a lot of people. I saw even, I think, today there was one reporter who talked about going back to where everybody had played 68 games. Um, Listen, it's hard for me to imagine as we do this podcast on this day, it's hard to really properly feel good about when hockey or any kind of pro sport is going to be played again. It will be. Um, You know what? Here's what I would say to you. What I have thought about is I think there needs to be some kind of, whether it's 68 or 70, I think if we're talking about completing this season in some kind of form, um, just the games. Not I'm not going to talk about where they're played or how we isolate. I'll let somebody else handle that. Thank thank goodness. Yeah. But but when it does come back in some way, shape, or form, what I would do is I would expand the format. So I would have play in games. Yeah. So you'd have six teams in each conference that would automatically you know, go through to what would be the official first round. And then I'd have seven versus 10 and eight versus nine in both conferences, probably have a quick best of three to play in. And then that would leave us, of course, with eight again. And after that, I would say, because you'd have to get it done quickly, um, you know, maybe even the next round would have to be a best two out of three, and then you could get to best of five before a final that's best of seven. So that's the one type of format. I just think because of the situation, and I'm not so sure that we shouldn't take a look at it a little differently now. I mean, I think one of the beauties, guys, and I think you probably agree, maybe you don't, is that as of right now, and we've got a 32nd team coming in shortly in Seattle, uh, when that happens, if things stay the same, half the teams get in and half the teams don't, which is what makes the playoff races and the regular season seem so meaningful. And I, and I think that's a great thing. Um, however, I would not be opposed, even when we get back to normalcy, to maybe extend it just a little bit. Yeah. To more of the format that I talked about in terms of... Because one thing I do not like and i never have ever i'm a big proponent of what the western hockey league does and i understand all the ramifications and travel and scheduling and the playoffs and and all of it um i love the fact in the western hockey league if you're tied for the final playoff spot there's a play-in game right i i have never liked the current format where you know based on some kind of points formula that you're out and your season would end. Yeah, and so it, it, I'd, I'd be in favor of going to something along those lines regardless. Yeah, playing games seem to make so much sense, even from an entertainment value. Like, come on, guys. Like, it would be so... Like, who is not going to watch that? Everybody's going to be glued to that. That would be nuts. Well, well you, it'd be fun. It would be fun. Now, understanding that, you know, there, there are logistics involved, but... Yeah, I, I think if you did it the right way and in a smart fashion and it didn't prevent the playoffs from getting started any later than they have to, but guess what? You know, there's there's so many negatives right now about what we can't have. Well, the great thing about these times, you know, it also gives us an opportunity to think and come up with different scenarios that actually might improve things. Or or force us to make changes that maybe we haven't been in favor of, but maybe we should be. And maybe we should look at it a little bit different. Yeah, if there was ever a time to to try a new concept. Totally. Right. Do you have you heard anything about that? Do you do you have a sense that maybe we might see something different? Um, I guess I would have to ask you in in to what? In terms of format? Yeah, or, I mean, or just just trying something, trying something new, and, and kind of you know outside of the you know the the old standard. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't think they want to get too far away because I think by and large it's worked and it's worked pretty well. Um, I think the only way to answer that question is what happens when 
either this season resumes or we get to the next season and when that happens. Because at this point, guys, I don't see any way that there isn't going to be potentially some kind of change in how every sports league goes about its business. Yeah. So I don't think there's going to be any choice. I really don't. Okay. It'll be interesting to, to see. I mean, it's it, everything's interesting right now. I mean, every kind of day by day, we're just kind of mm-hmm. in limbo waiting to see what's going to happen. And it is. It's unprecedented times. But um, it will be interesting to see how it all goes down. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, depending what generation you're from or how old you are or, you know, where your current scenario stands these are incredibly unprecedented times that uh yeah yeah causing a lot of us no matter what age um to ask yourself some very different questions about who and what really matters and then i won't get away from talking about that kind of stuff because a i think it's always important b i don't think people at times ask those questions often enough but you know one of the reason that I am even enjoying this podcast is it's it's an opportunity to get to know different people and I think there's always great value especially a with people you don't know maybe people in a different generation that by even you guys asking me certain questions tells me more about you and as Flames fans what you're interested in and and what moves the needle and what doesn't so you know, if we open our minds, there's there's lots of things potentially to be learned. I love it. So I have a question for you, and you're the perfect I, – I couldn't think of a more perfect person to ask this to because you are such a sports lover, like truly, like truly. Mm-hmm. I, and something you kind of hear – I've kind of heard this narrative a bit online is like, oh, this just shows like sports doesn't matter. You know, like there's bigger things. Obviously, there's bigger things. But I just want to mm-hmm. kind of get your take culturally like – why does hockey in sports matter? Because it matters to a lot of us, and some of us can't quite put our finger on why that is. And I, I think you're a person to put that question to because you might have an interesting answer. Well, you, you know what? I don't think there's an easy answer to it. Yeah, I don't. Um, and I don't think there ever will. And, and I think, you know, through these times, guys, um, you know, I, I think it's a question that is relevant for everybody. And, and I don't think... You know, I think about whether it's people I work with, people I work around, um, the athletes themselves. I'm a big believer that no two people necessarily feel exactly the same about anything. Um, Yeah, you're right. I, I do love sports and I love the competition of sports and I love sports at all levels, not just at the level that I spend the majority of my time at. I love all sports at lots of different levels. And frankly, in some ways, um, completely enjoy that part of it every bit as much at times, if not more than the level that I cover. Because it's it's the competition. It's um, I love watching young athletes get better. I like watching their journey and their path. Um, those are some of the things that I really, really enjoy. But for, you know, people who know me, they know this. Um, And I've changed a little bit over the years because things happen. You have children, you go through some good and bad things in your world, and that causes us to change our thinking. But for me, to this day, being at a sporting event is my happy place. It's, it's meant so much good. I've met so many incredible people, and I love competition. And one of the things that I'm all, always not in love with sometimes is that sports and a lot of things have become massive, big business. And for me, while a lot of people are drawn to that, I still like it. Nothing is pure, nothing is without politics, nothing is completely equal, but I love competition. So it's very true, and the people who know me best will tell you that I can go watch a Bantam game or a Peewee game or, you know, in fact, one of the last live, the last live sporting event I saw 
was two of Calgary's best peewee double A teams going head to head. And I loved it. I got to the last period and a half and I went in part because I heard some great things about a couple of young kids who are, you know, high, high level players. And, and so I went to watch them. That's the last live sporting event I've been able to see. And I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it and chatted with some great people who were there. Um, that's, you know, in a nutshell for me, sports has been, sports has been such a massive part of my life. And, you know, I was having a great conversation with one of my best friends today. One of the things I've always loved about sports is I think sports emulates real life. Yeah. There's ups, there's downs, there's wins, there's losses, there's slumps. And if you listen to, you know, some of the stuff that I talk about at noon on our radio station about the hockey team, I think you'll find that I, I never steer too far away from thinking about the athletes as people, because that's what they are. Right. Now, maybe that doesn't resonate. Maybe it doesn't even resonate for you guys. But I'm never going to stop as long as I have some form of platform talking about athletes as people and challenging myself to not just go to numbers or, you know, the end of score, but, but how people are as humans. Because I think we forget sometimes, including people that cover them, they're people just like us. Yeah, it's so true. Eh? Um, I mean, part of the reason why we wanted to bring you on here too is to get a window into what the – because, I mean, as watching the games as a fan, and I think this is kind of what you're saying is it, it is. It's so easy to get caught up and get so frustrated. And, you know, sometimes you hate some of the players and, and whatnot. Um, now, I, I think I don't, I'm going to ask you, is it any different as a broadcaster? Um, no. No, no different? No. Okay. No, it's not. All right. It's, it's not. I think, I, I think the difference would be, guys um, – and, and one of the things that I miss sometimes is I don't get to be a fan, you know, I, and, and you really have to be careful sometimes. The one thing I'll never be careful of, and if you know anything, when it comes to Team Canada, I'm never going to be careful. <laughs> right. uh, and, and I'll allow criticism. I love when my country plays international sports. It's a massive passion, and I will never... I will never apologize. Now, I wouldn't openly cheer in a press box, um, and I've done the Olympics, and I've done lots of different things, so, you know, you have to be professional about it, but that's that's really the time outside of those donkeys that wear purple in the NFL <laughs> that have given me 48 years of grief. Um, you know, yes. I think what I the way I'd best answer it, guys is more now at my age, as much as it's about cheering for teams, I like to cheer for people. Okay. You know, that yeah. that's... Do do I want the Flames to, to do well? Sure I do. Um, and, and there's lots of reasons. Uh, I'm a massive fan of not just some of their players, but I'm a massive fan of their general manager. And I think this year, Brad Treleving has shown incredible leadership through some unbelievably difficult situations. And and those are the kind of people I want to be associated with. And those are the kind of people that I cheer for. Because, you know, I value people more when they can lead people through difficult times rather than when everything's going well. Yeah. So I cheer for him. It's, it's a hockey team with lots of quality people, players, and, and lots of quality people behind the scenes that people don't get a chance to know, and, and sometimes that's disappointing. But one of the reasons that I root for the Calgary Flames, selfishly, it's when they do better, it's better for me, for right, sure. Right. Um, I'd love nothing more, because it's one of the things I haven't done, is to be you know, doing live games in the playoffs during a long run. I haven't had that. I've had lots of good stuff. but And I've covered two Stanley Cup finals in 2001, 2002, but I've never been around a team on a day-to-day -day basis that had a long run. So I haven't done that. That'd be a neat experience to go through. But, yeah, more than more than teams, uh, I find myself now, uh, I, cheer for, I cheer for people. 
Cool. I love that. I mean, th- this year has been pretty crazy. I think I was thinking to cool. myself the other day, like, of course this COVID thing would happen this year. I mean, mm-hmm. look at what the Flames have been through with the whole T.G. Brody situation, the Bill Peters fiasco. I mean, like, talk about unprecedented as well. Um, mm-hmm. But what what did you see from kind of being on the inside throughout all that? And and maybe how did how was Brad Tree living, keeping his head above water? And what was your perspective like? Well, um, my perspective is this, starting with Brad. Um, Brad cares about people. And he cares about people in a way that you guys aren't going to see it or hear it. Um, but if you want to know everything there is in part to know about Brad, go back and watch his press conferences, um, even in and around the Bill Peters situation. He cares about people. And, and that's one of the reasons I think he's an excellent leader. And there has been no blueprint for a couple of things that he and many have had to deal with. But I can tell you from even personal experience, whether I was sick four years ago for a couple of months, um, whether it's what I've seen him do and handle um, this year, this is a this is a person that truly cares about the spirit and development of others. He really does, um, and and you know he's still when you think about it, Brad's still fairly new to the craft of being an NHL general manager. So, yeah, to, to start with him, that's one thing that I knew. But the way he lives his life and goes about his business, he is constantly showing me and others that that he cares about way more than just wins and losses he cares about people and he cares about the people in his family his own family his flames family and that matters yeah that matters so i'd start there okay i mean that's a it's a great perspective because you don't we don't get to see it from the fans from the outside it i mean there's there's not much there's not much of an intimate relationship there and we don't really get to see behind the scenes of i mean from the outside it seems like when you say that, I can say, yeah, I can see that. But um, yeah. but we just don't get close enough to him, right, to really know. Well, and, and I wouldn't try to tell you guys either that, you know, I mean, him and I are more than just people who work around one another or are acquaintances. I'm not going to say that, you know, I would say that we're, we're great friends. But somebody doesn't have to be a great friend to show that they care. Yeah. And he cares. Is he going to make every trade perfectly or every free agent signing or whatever? But I know one thing. He has demonstrated to me in a lot of different ways. And people who are going to listen to this, they might think they can think whatever they want. But I'll have this conversation in any forum with anybody. Because until I see different, I've been around a long time. And I know that guy cares. Cool. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Um. Can, if you don't mind, if we would like to talk about your career for a bit. Um, sure. Obviously, the passion for sports probably started young. Uh, we did some reading online and said you knew at a young age that sport, sports broadcasting was probably going to be a path that was going to work for you. Um, mm-hmm. And you went to school in Saskatchewan for broadcasting and spent mm-hmm. some time in the, the the major junior, I think both junior leagues, right? Through the, yeah. Through, called, called a lot of Memorial Cups as well. Yeah, called eight of those, yeah. Which is awesome. Um, and then obviously you got your big break and, and got your chance with the Flames TV. Called some Oilers games too. That It's funny, it's funny the, the things I associate different people with. I, I will never forget because when you were you were hired as the Flames broadcaster, I was like, oh, cool, I remember that guy because I remember you would call. I remember I never watched Oilers games, but I watched the game where Patrick Stefan misses that open net. And I'll always remember like the exact yeah. call. It was so hilarious. But I remember being really stoked when you when you when you were jumped aboard the TV because I, again I'd followed your career a little bit and I thought you and Charlie were you were awesome. There was three awesome years of really good stuff from you guys. So I just want to say thanks for that for sure. You got to well, call some I great moments too. That. Appreciate that. And then, um, obviously, every I don't know. We were reading online. You were fired. I mean, that's that's yeah. the, the bottom oh, line yeah. of it. 
Um, and it sounds like you've been trying to rebuild yourself a bit. Um, got a yeah. good, got a good chance to get back into radio. We're curious, yeah. what are your aspirations now? We're, we're, do you want to get back on TV? Like what's, what do your goals look like? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a great question. I don't know if it's easy to answer. Um, you know, I can tell you that in nearly 36 years in radio and television, I'm incredibly thankful. I'm feel blessed. Um, there have been very few things that I had hoped to be involved in or call that I haven't been lucky enough to cover or call. Uh, there is very little else in life that I enjoy much more than um, calling live sports. It's something that I can't describe outside of there's very little like it, and that two hours and 45 minutes or however it, long it goes is is something that, uh, you know, I treasure. Um, uh, you know, I have no trouble talking about it. I was severely hurt, crushed by what happened in 2011. Um, I'm very proud of being able to, to bounce back, um, stay involved, um, had to change role, do some things different. Um, it's been, it's been a heck of a journey and I'd love to be able to give you an answer about my next aspirations. Um, but in, in certain ways, I, I don't have much different aspirations now than when I started at 18 and when I was six and seven years old. And that is, I love sports. I love to be around sports. I love attending sports. I love calling sports. But, um, you know, I've thought about lots of things. I, I, love, I love coaching. I love mentoring. I... I love the opportunity and have throughout the course of my career to be around younger people and, and try my best to add some wisdom or experience or tell stories or, you know, the mentor, mentoring means a lot to me um, and coaching. I have, I have great fascination in coaching and not just sports, but people. Yeah. Um, because I think all of us could use a little more of it. So, um, and and I'll I'll be frank with you. I, I've spent a lot of my career where, and I and I've enjoyed the journey a lot in so many different ways. But what I always say to young people is that I would never ever discourage anybody from their true passion and their love, because for nearly thirty six years I've been paid for something that I love. And it's been pretty awesome. But you can't miss the small wins and the basics along the way because people get so caught up with, you know, getting to the highest places. And we should always aspire to the greatest heights and the greatest goals. We need them. Yeah. But but enjoy the journey along the way because that's, that's important. Totally. Do you have any um, advice if there's any listeners... Um, it, it sounded like, cause for me growing up, I was always wanted to be in the NHL as a player It never even crossed my mind to get involved in hockey in other ways. And I think, right. and I think that's true for a lot of kids. Um, but there's some kids, I mean, we even know one, he's a young guy. He's, um, his, his mom, we worked with him, but he's already wants to be a jam at GM and he's been on the radio and he's doing broadcasting stuff. Um, but obviously there's, there is another path. If, if you're not yeah. going to cut it as an athlete, you can still be involved in sports, and obviously you've shown that. Um, yeah. But just given your experience that you've had, is there anything that – any advice you can give if, if someone is interested in following in your footsteps? Well, I mean, if, if, if you want to be a broadcaster, I don't think it matters what you want to do, but putting in the work, being diligent, and having great passion. I, I think are a few things that can really make a difference and you know but you have to be prepared for everything that goes hand in hand and to be honest sometimes the great separator I think in anything is how much work are you willing to do you know I, I know a lot of young people that get into broadcasting now but are you willing to move to Estevan, Saskatchewan or Brooks or 
you know, name the place to get started and have some true experience. And not to say that my path is is the only one that works. It's different. These are different times. And, and some people ascend to bigger places really quickly. But again, what, what are you willing to do? And, and how much work are you going to put into it? And then the other thing I would say is, depending on what you identify about our business that you like, learn from, learn from others by watching, listening, asking questions, volunteering, you know, however you have to be around it and learn, that's what I always suggest. Because I've had one motto that I try to stick to most of the time, and that is in any aspect, I try to learn from people who are better at things than I am. Great advice. Cool. Well, Kate, let's let's we're gonna try and wrap things up here, but we we do want to ask you about um, the current Calgary Flames team, this current Calgary Flames season, and maybe we can end things there. But mm-hmm. um, can you give us your brutally honest analysis of this <laughs> Flames team and what the season's been? There's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of challenges. Um, there's been a lot of players that have had you know relatively down seasons. Um, what have you seen from up in the booth? Well, what I've seen on a day-to-day basis is probably the best way that I can answer it is I've seen a team that uh, I think for a good chunk of the season struggled with expectation. And I think it's been a team that had 107 points the year before and in some ways didn't always deal the best with understanding that the better that you get, generally it requires even more. And that, I think, weighed very heavily on the team as a group. I think it has weighed heavily at times on certain individuals. However, um, and we'll see if time and, and the season ever comes back, again, I think there's great growth if you allow it to learn from hard and frustrating and difficult. I truly think that this team if and when the playoffs start, will be much better prepared this time around because it has been hard and difficult and challenging. And challenging for, as you guys mentioned, some of their better people. Because some of their better people have had to ask those hard questions that this podcast started with. What am I prepared to do? What's important? What am I willing to do to make it better. Right. They're no different. You know, I've, what I've, are you willing to do? Yeah. What, what are you willing to do about how you go about your business to get a different result? But I, I think this team and a number of its players have shown incredible growth. I think the job that Jeff Ward and his staff did coming out of what I think was as difficult as unprecedented and um, a scenario that in some ways broke my heart, um, they should be incredibly commended for their leadership. And Jeff Ward, who had always wanted to be a head coach, imagine becoming one at 57 the way he did. Yeah. So I think a lot of growth has occurred this season. I think there's a long way to go for this team. And I also think, and now it's going to be really hard to judge because how do you properly judge coming out of this? I don't know if you can. I really don't. And that's what's going to make it somewhat difficult to it because I truly felt, and I said it on our show almost every single day, is that for certain members of this core group, it was time. Yeah, It was time to find out down the stretch and hopefully into the playoffs what they were capable of doing. And now it's kind of changed, but I do. I I think expectations were difficult. I think a lot of things they had to go through were difficult, but I think that they handled it well. I really do. And I think it brought them together. And by and large, the last couple months, I think they were playing their best hockey of the season. Yeah, and that's one of the kind of like unfortunate things about all this is it looked kind of like finally they were playing some really good hockey, turning it around. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, <clears throat> I'm a big believer in, in the top guys on this team. So guys like Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, Elias Lindholm, Mack Chuck, I really feel like they were they were pulling it together there. Just one final thought on the on the team this year. What has been your take on, on Jeff Ward? Because I know we sit here as fans and we, we can criticize him, but then it's so easy to forget, like, what this guy took over. So what has your kind of just general sense been from Jeff, the job he's done taking over from, from the situation? Well, I have, I have, you know, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Bill, and, and, and I have no trouble saying that. Um, the thing about Jeff is I've, I've had just some of the finest hockey conversations with him. I've had great opportunity to learn about him and what he thinks about people. He's an incredibly intelligent person. Um, you know, he does a lot of reading, um, Jeff is one of those guys that, gents, there's a reason he's been a coach for 30-plus years. There's a reason that he was part of the staff in Boston that won a Stanley Cup. Jeff Ward, I think, would make almost each and every organization better because of the kind of person he is, how he relates to other people. He's a good man. He's a good dad. Um, he invests in people. Um, he really, really, a teacher originally by trade, he really wants to help other people get better. But with that, and it's a hard transition, people have no idea to go from being a forever assistant or associate to being the guy. Yeah. But, but I think, he has learned from everyone and everywhere he's ever been. When I asked him the question of, you know, are you okay with it took this long for you to become an NHL head coach? He said, yeah, because he thinks his path to get to this place has served him incredibly well. Right. And so do I. Okay. And, and again, he's another guy um, that I'm cheering for. And whether it's him you know, that whole coaching staff, you know, and I can't necessarily say this about every single coaching staff I've ever been around, but whether it's Jamie Pringle or Jordan Sigalad or Ryan Huska, Marty Jelena, just one of, if you, if you think Marty Jelena is as fine a human as you listen to and watch, he is, and maybe more so. Like, they're good people. Yeah. The, the, these, the, that is a group of good, caring, devoted people. And, and I hope they get a chance to continue and be successful. I'm, I'm cheering for that group in a big way. Great stuff. Okay, I got one more for you just because there's no hockey. We've all been going down memory lane lately. Um, mm -hmm. I was watching the most random. Somebody sent it to me. There was like a game in Detroit that you're calling, you and Charlie are calling, the Flames are down four to two. They're playing the Red Wings, who had won the Stanley Cup the year previous. They they're they're, they're losing four to two. They come back. Jamie Lundqvist. Yes, I knew you'd know about this. Late in the third, would that be the game? That is the game. Up? It was just nuts, and I was just thinking, like, yeah, Lundmark scores twice. Glenn Cross scores. Jokin, and of course, in typical Flames fashion, they don't win the game in regulation. They have to take no. it to a shootout. Right. And I was just thinking, like, this team is always seems to be in the middle of just wild drama all the time. Is there, like, one moment you can remember from the Flames, like, broadcasting? Otherwise, you were just around, you remember, like, okay, that was crazy. I'll always remember where I was when that happened. Oh, too many. I'm sure there's a ton. Is yeah, there, there is. There's, 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 there's too many. And, and the reason I say there's too many is because, um, for me, there's different types of categories. So probably my favorite Flames game in, in a number of different ways was game six against Vancouver in 2015. Mm -hmm. And the reason it was for me in particular is because I have a huge, huge affection for Matt Stajan, who, you know, I got to know as a starting as a 17 year old member of the Belleville Bulls and always enjoyed my time 
with him in junior. I covered the 2003 World Junior. Was in Toronto when he started out playing for the Leafs, and he's just he's he's one of my favorites. So when he lost a child, and to go through all of that. Sorry, I get emotional when I think about it. Um, that was awesome. So that is one, obviously, I'll never forget. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's lots. I mean, those couple of Battle of Albertas this year were were just, they were unbelievable. Um, yeah, there's just guys, there's, there's, there's just so many... For some, you know, I was lucky enough to call Jerome McGinley's 1,000th point. I mean, that was a pretty neat and special opportunity to have and, and be around. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just so many, and hopefully more to come. More to come. That'd be great. Well, we really appreciate you coming on today, sir. Like, I don't say this lightly. It's like you, you often hear, oh, one of the best guys in the business. You are probably legitimately the best person guy in the business i can i can say that from following your career a little bit so we really appreciate you jumping on with us today great insights uh yeah thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate it guys thanks for having me i really appreciate it and uh wish you nothing but the best going forward and And please stay well we'll see you in the playoffs man okay that'd be great all right take care peter take Take care care, peter Peter. thank you very much okay guys be well thanks a lot bye-bye there you have it, folks. Peter Lubardius. Some kind of podcast. We were debating if seeing how the interview went, if it just kind of flowed or not, but obviously it didn't. We wanted him to say some kind of podcast. I think that's our goal as with this whole podcast. If we get to the point where we're like we're buddies enough with Peter that he'll do that for us, that's a win. You know what we could do? Because I could always message him. And be like, hey, can yeah, send you, us a voice file. Can you send us a voice memo? Some kind of podcast. Because we'll, we would put it in the intro. But, yeah. yeah. It's on our Instagram bio. That's it. That's a reference to him. Anyways, stay tuned, guys. We just released another pod that we recorded earlier in the week. It's kind of boring. I was listening to it on the way over here. Well, we're, the world's kind of boring if you haven't <laughs> fucking noticed. Not our fault. Eh? Can't blame us. I mean, blame the world. Yeah, actually, people are blame like, the I'm world. So if you're bored, listen to us talk about the flames. Come on. Come on. Come on. And yeah, we got some cool guests. You've been wheeling and dealing, so we got some cool guests coming up. Uh, Kelly Rudy is confirmed for next week, folks. Next week? Yeah, next week. So stay tuned. I think it's going to be Wednesday. So we'll try and have that out for you guys on Wednesday as well. And um, yeah, Derek Ryan has responded to us. We'll see if anything pans out there. Hopefully we can nail him down and get Derek Ryan on as well. 